Jesus said in John chapter 12, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. That's what Jesus said. And that's what we're trying to do here at Emmanuel. Hello, my name's Pastor Bob Gray, and I'm glad that you've taken the time to join us for one of our services. Our goal here at Emmanuel is to lift up Christ, to lift him up so high that no matter where you're at right now, he will draw you closer to him. That's our goal. May you enjoy the services of Emmanuel. And if I can be of service to you, please let me know. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Oh, take your Bibles if you would. And we're going to start, I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a break from the family dynamics. And, um, and usher, you should have a handout. So if y'all could do me a favor, uh, if you just hand one to everyone and take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 14. Thank you, ladies, very much for <clears throat> playing. Romans chapter 14 and verse number one. And uh, we have a good 45 minutes to uh, study. And uh, this is for Pastor and Miss Kelly. So I will open that later. Thank you very much. Romans chapter 14. And uh, we're going to look at verse number one. Our church is, 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 a, is a body. Uh, when we think about the fact that our church is a body, um, then sometimes I feel like, and I'm going to ask every, every, every worker and, and the teenagers and the college students and the singles, I should say, that are out of here tonight, I'm going to send them a text and ask them to start listening on purpose uh, to um, the uh, broadcast from Wednesday night um, because I need your help. Um, as pastor. And so we're going to take the, the Romans chapter 14. If there is a footprint that I use when dealing with people and dealing with different believers that are around me, it is Romans chapter 14. I took note just this past Sunday. Just this past Sunday, I interacted with believers, um, members of our church, and I would never go through their individual stories, of course, but interacting with members of our church that were on different levels. They would make statements to me. They would tell me something, and they're waiting for this response. They're waiting for pastor to come back with a response with a spirit. I think it's more than just the words we say. I think it's the spirit with which those words come from. How many have ever had somebody that uh, said, uh, I'm praying for you, and their words and their spirit didn't line up. Or if someone said, you know, it's good to see you, but their words and their spirit didn't quite line up. We're going to go through Romans chapter 14. In fact, the, we're only going to make it through one verse tonight. Uh, so this is going to, I'm excited about this study because I, I think this is the right time for all of us to jump in and realize you are surrounded by believers on different levels. And you may be on a different level. And I think Romans chapter 14 is the right chapter for all of us to mature. It is the chapter. It probably is the number one chapter in my world that I'm constantly having to go back and refer to um, in order for me to keep my balance about me and to really interact with people. Whether we like it or not, the first question from God to man, let me back up, the first question from God to man is, 
where art thou? The first question from man to God was, am I my brother's keeper? I do not think it's a mistake that the first question that man asked God was this, what do you mean, where is Abel, my brother? I have. What, what, what it was, what it, am I my brother's keeper? You're going to find out that everything that Christ did falls under two categories and they're the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all and then love thy what? Neighbor as thyself. And at the end of the day, the Lord did not leave you here for you. So let's mature if you could. And, and, and I don't say that because you're not mature, but just simply because we need to make sure that we're living life according to Romans 14. And uh, this is how I pastor, and uh, this is how I would really want you as a member uh, to help me pastor. Um, because there are young people, there are people around you, and we can't be, we can't be secluded. Um, Brother Hicks, going into the revival, him and I were praying together one day, and we were talking about the revival before it happened. And we got talking about the subject of our theme, One Accord, and bringing everybody to this unification. And, and, and uh, what, what does our church look like? Um, do, do you know that in this auditorium, I hate that center aisle? I'm going to tell you why. Because it divides our church. And it is amazing when I preach in churches that don't have a division. And it's like, okay, y'all don't panic, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to set up chairs or move the pews in. But, but, but I will tell you, there is something unifying. And when all of us bring to the table God's mind when it comes to each other, then we're going to find out our church and the spirit of our church is going to pick up immensely. We have done a great job. But let's, let's, I want you to see the biblicalness behind everything. So Romans chapter 14, verse 1. And, and whenever you start something like this, in Romans chapter 14, there are 23 verses, okay? 23 verses. And each verse is a week. Um, and I started some of this in the, in the Bible study that I do on, at 9.30, but I want to come back and I want to go through this. So, so him that is weak, Romans chapter 14, verse 1, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. The, the, and, and, I, and I wrote here at the, at the very beginning, Romans is a book that is built upon believers living in an unbelieving society. I stepped into this thought on Sunday night. Don't remember any of it, but I tried to step into the thought. There, there were three dynamics going on for the believers in the book of Romans. It is no, it is no accident that God, Brother Charles, back me off just a tad, if you don't mind. It is no accident that God put the book of Romans, it's not chronologically in this order, but it is put to where God wanted the book of Romans to follow the book of Acts. Because in the book of Romans, you have this explosion in the book of Acts with people getting saved, people coming out of some horrific paganism, heathenism, immoral situations, and now they're coming into this church that before this time, the church was made up of disciples and believers that all of a the sudden there was this close-knit. 
Well, now because of the gospel exploded to a great degree in the book of Acts and, and all these churches were done, now all of a sudden the church experienced division. And the reason they experienced division is, is because the average believer did not know, how do I handle these people? How, how do I handle this without, without catching a disease? In the average church, and I don't think our church is this way, but the average church is a clique. And churches get smaller because they don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, I as pastor, I do know what to do. There is not one member that we have or one person that interacts in the 10 people that I interacted with on different levels. I knew exactly what to do. I knew exactly how to respond. And the Lord convicted me the past couple of days that, Bob, you're, you're not educating the church. You're not arming Emmanuel of how do we handle the people. I mean, how do you handle people? How do you handle each other? Because strife and division in a church, and the larger a church, the more pockets of cliques there are. And if somebody doesn't operate according to the word, and why do we do what we do? So the Romans, there are three things, and I'm going to give you the first word you fill in the blank, and number one is society. So if you'll write the word society in that blank, trying to keep themselves from having a society that was pushing God out. So here they are, and we talked about it, that in Romans they're pushing God out of the society. So, so how do you deal with a society that's pushing God out? The second thing that was here that the people, the believers in the book of Romans, number two, the word is judgmental. The word is judgmental. So now trying to accept those who were recently saved without a judgmental or dismissing attitude toward the individual. So all of a sudden, when you have what that great prophet off of Andy and Barney, I think it's along season three, episode two, about the interloper. When you have somebody from the outside coming in, and all of a sudden somebody new shows up, and somebody, a new believer comes in. That was funny. I thought that was funny. And only us retro people. And when, when, when all of a sudden somebody new comes in, you look down the row. And that person right there, there is a built-in prejudice, if we are not careful, that comes shining through. And that's what destroys the church. I'm getting ready to preach a sermon and I'm, I usually don't advertise my sermons, um, but uh, I'm going to preach a sermon on racism and discrimination. It will be the best sermon I have ever preached that will get me in more trouble. Because lying on the end, if we don't look at it biblically, and, and, and somebody just in, in, in just, I think, a good heart said, Pastor, don't you think that that per person, and they isolate a particular person several months ago, don't you think that that person would be better suited at another church? Now, now when, you, when I say that publicly, it's, it is, we all sit here and go, who would ever say anything like that? In fact, just saying it, the look on your faces is the look I can't have on my face when they say it to me. And then I have to educate them. So, so, so here you go. So, 
So this judgmental or dismissing attitude. Third thing, realizing the, the, the word is personal. And this is where you come into play. The word to fill in in number three is personal. Realizing the important role their personal behavior has in the development of the new believer. Everybody here, everybody here. And this is why we really need to understand you have to serve. Listen to this. You have to be serving. You're sitting tonight. But as we, we start opening back up and we start, I received probably, probably, Brother Moore, today, I received the greatest email text I've ever received. And that was right before I came out. I just saw it on my phone. And it was from one of our men that listened to your sermon on Sunday night. And they said, I know I need to be being used of God in this way. This is what we have to have. Because here's what's going on. I am developing as a pastor because I'm interacting with people who are developing as a believer. You and I cannot develop as a believer where we need to be if we're not interacting with people who are maturing as believers. That's why the greatest thing could ever happen are the workers right now with the sole purpose and the, and the teenagers that are sitting down and they are interacting. Miss, Miss Kelly... Um, we Sunday night, we got on the phone with somebody and we were talking about this one particular thing. And Miss Kelly looked at me in all honesty, and she's going to kill me for saying this. She said, Bob, I still need to learn some things. And what is the best way to learn things? And that is to interact with people. But we have to have the right mindset. And so the book of Romans is all about these three things, trying to keep themselves from having a society that was pushing God out, not to be judgmental or dismissing, and then realizing the personal behavior. Let's look, look at verse 1, and let's, let's, let's apply this. Romans chapter 14, verse 1, and I have underlined and highlighted, and you can flip on the back, I have highlighted and underlined uh, three sections of Romans chapter 14, verse 1, and let's look at it. He that is what, please, what is the first phrase? Weak in the what? Faith. Now, the word weak in the faith and this phrase of Weak in the faith, and if you'll take your Bibles and journey to Acts chapter 6, we're going to look at a verse here. The word weak in the faith simply means that this person is not established yet, and they are not fully mature in deciding between what the essentials and non-essentials are for salvation. So, him that is weak in the faith, you must understand this. Well, let's go to Acts chapter 6, and, I, and let's take a look at it. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Acts chapter 6, and verse number 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company, look at the phrase here, and a great company of what? Priests were obedient to the what? Here are these priests. Now, those who are not, when the Bible says weak in the faith, and everybody here will understand what I'm about to say. When it says weak in the faith, what it was is they had a list of requirements to get to heaven. They have abandoned this list, and they have put total faith in Christ. But the problem is, is that the things they were taught on this side how do these things fit in light of my salvation? 
Do you know everybody brings to the table a predisposition of what you were told was right and what you told was wrong? And here is this belief system, this list over here. How does this list fit inside of my salvation? Bigger than that is this. How does this list on this side fit in my sanctification? These are the people that are weak in the faith. People that are weak in the faith say, I know it's not of works, and I know that, that, that how I dress and how I live and my behavior on this side has nothing to do with me getting to heaven. But where does this play now that I'm saved? What is important? What is not important? How many would agree that if I threw one topic on the table, that all of our upbringing was so different that everybody would have a different opinion. Would you raise your hand? Would you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how does it play? And so this is where division comes in the church. This all of a sudden is where somebody said, no, 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 no. That's not the right way to do that. No, no, that's not the right way to do that. And what Paul was saying was this. When people get saved and people come out, if you go back to Romans chapter 14, and when people come out of this and now they have put all their faith in Christ, they now have to go back and take this list of religiosity, this, this religion over here, got that word wrong, this, this list over here, and now they have to say to themselves, where does number three fit now that I'm saved? Where does number four fit now that I'm saved? Do you know if you were a Catholic and got saved? There are some things that you think are wrong that believers do to this day. There are some things that believers who are saved and they realize none of this list has anything to do with them getting to heaven. But they will not do some things because they believe that has no place in the life of a Christian. But the people are just getting saved. And the people who are just, okay, so, so now my faith is in Christ. How do these things fit? And now I as pastor have to come back and look at everybody. Look, one of the ten that approached me have been saved. And I asked her if I could use this by permission. She has been saved 48 years. And I made one statement three weeks ago. And she looked at me and she said, Pastor, I still have not come to grips that that's okay in the life of a Christian. The Bible's very clear that there are people, when it says weak in the faith, it doesn't mean that somebody doesn't have the stamina. It doesn't mean this. It's, it, it literally means that you and I are going to deal with people, we're going to interact with people, that their faith is still being built. Newsflash, all of our faith is still being built. For any one of us to think we have arrived to where, oh, no, 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 I know exactly what needs to fit in the life of the Christian. You know, um, um, I, I am 53 years of age, got saved when I was 12, just two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I looked at one of those things on that list and I thought to myself, oh, oh, yeah, that. Oh, ouch, that doesn't need to be 
in my faith. And when he was talking to them, he was telling the church at Rome, the Rome, churches in Rome, he said, look, him that is weak in the faith, you have to receive. But when it says weak in the faith, so here's the believer's truth, and the word you're going to put in there is develop. Would you put the word develop in there? When people come to faith in Christ, realizing works has no place in the saving of their soul, they have to develop discernment of what a believer should do or should not do based on what they were told would make the difference in them going to heaven or hell. Until this discernment is developed, they are weak in a weak stage as a newborn babe. All of us believe that, yes, we believe none of this, what we do and what we don't do, will ever get us to heaven. We believe it's only by faith in Christ. But how many of you still hear your mama's voice say, good people don't do that? How many of you still hear a preacher's voice somewhere say, if you really love the Lord, you wouldn't do that? And all of a sudden, you're not convinced that number seven on that list has anything to do with your sanctification. And if you notice in Romans chapter 14, there is one phrase in Romans chapter 14, if you're there, look at verse 5. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be what, please? Fully persuaded in his own what? Mind. Now, look at pastor. I promise you, when it comes to the direction of the church, and what should and should not be, I am fully persuaded in my mind. There are some things that are acceptable, some things not acceptable. But when it comes to people who attend here, every time I stand up and speak, every time I stand up and preach, there are not people fully persuaded. That There are people sitting there going, I think you've lost your mind. Do you know those kind of things can cause division? And if I acted like the average church member, not in this church, in some other church, then I would get up and go, oh, they're idiots. They're just stupid. How dare they think that way? A bunch of, bunch of re, you know, reject that. But, but I don't have that luxury, nor do I want that luxury, because everybody's growing. So now let's walk through here and understand that, that this, this week in the faith doesn't mean somebody... That, that is absolutely is just, is just a second-class citizen. Weak in the faith simply means this. I know that I've trusted Christ, and I know none of these things can get me to heaven. This list of works over here is just Jesus Christ. But where do these list of things fit inside being sanctified and being, be, being, being set apart for the Lord's service? And what are these things? Here is the problem. When you and I live a total disregard, would you go back to the third point at the very introduction? When you and I live a total disregard that our personal behavior is our own and we don't care what anybody thinks. When a Christian takes the standpoint, I don't care what anybody thinks about my behavior. I don't care what anybody thinks. When a believer takes that standpoint, then they're going to hurt those people that are trying to develop and live out their salvation. And we're going to find out in the Scripture that there is a personal responsibility that if I pick something out of this list, 
that I think is okay for my sanctification. But this thing on this list hurts my brother in Christ. Then I am not to do the thing on that list. And when you start teaching and preaching that way, people are like, well, I'm not going to change my life for anybody. It is what it is. It's not going to send me to hell. Oh, my friend, it's much bigger than this. It, it is so this believer who's developing their faith can look at their own sanctification in light, in light of the Word of God without having to look around your life. If, if, if I could just use an illustration, Alexis, you're the only one sitting close, my friend. Come on up here. Come on up here. If the Word of God, if the Word of God is His faith, just stand right behind me. If the Word of God is His faith, then the Bible says if He's maturing His faith, and so him that is weak in the faith, he knows that these things can't save. It's just, just simple faith in Christ. But where do these things fit? Where do these things fit in, in light of me developing my faith and maturing my faith? And if I am associated with him, and all of a sudden I'm standing here going, well, it doesn't matter. You know, you can do what you want to do, but I don't see anything wrong with, and I don't see anything wrong with, and I don't see anything wrong with. Then he's like, wow, wow, you've been saved much longer than I have. You've been in church much longer than I have. Well, then I'll follow your faith. This is the problem in the average church. Nobody is sensitive to people around them maturing their faith. And I as pastor have to be very sensitive that when somebody is maturing their faith, that I step out of the way and I do not become, I think the word is stumbling block to somebody maturing their faith. Thank you. So when you're helping, I want you to really consider your, your, your life right now. I want you to take personal inventory of your world because I do all the time. Because I must remember that there are people who are like, okay, so, so, so I'm saved, and now what do I need? I'm not talking about people, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm just going to live like I'm not talking about people going back. I'm talking about people that just, I, I have this honest, I want to know what, how do I live more for the Lord? They're developing their faith. Then, then, then the believer truth is this. There must be a place for new believers to be part of a fellowship. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on the second one. Okay, let's go to the second phrase. Phrase: Receive ye. So now the Bible says that this person that is developing their faith, guess what we are to do? We are to receive him. So when we receive him, would you go to Romans chapter 15, verse 7? So let's go one chapter. Let's look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 7. So when I understand that there are people developing their faith, okay, they must have a church to go to to develop their faith. But more than that, they have to have families to interact with. Your interaction, this is why he said, receive ye. The greatest discipleship and the greatest thing that can ever happen to a new believer 
is for somebody to accept them and not judge them. A church begins to mature when all of a sudden everybody is like, I would never do anything to hurt somebody's faith and I want you a part of my group. I, I want you to sit with me. I want you to hang out with me. You ask any church planner, you ask any pastor that pastors a, 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 a church to where they, they're the chief cook and bottle washer and they're getting everything done, there is such this desire. It's like, hey, come over to the house. Hey, let's, let's come on. Come, come, come hang out with me. And just, I was out the other day with a dear couple and we were eating Mexican food and, and I was sitting down and I was trying to help them with something and they were like, okay, we just got saved and, and, and so now what do we do? And they'll come about every three weeks and sit up in the balcony to the left and, 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 and it's just like, okay, so, so here's what we need to do. And, and, and I told a member I was going to talk about it tonight. And this member was like, how come you never take me out to Mexican food? You know what my answer to them was? Because I'm always debating with you about what is right and what is wrong. They want to mature their faith. And if I'm going to spend time, it won't be to debate apparel. It will be to mature somebody's faith. Because I'm under a mandate, commit thou to faithful men. And this is where when you bring a new believer in and you receive them, when is the last time that your family has had a new believer interact with your family? It will change your behavior. Brother and Miss Hampton, I wasn't going to do this. Brother Hampton, you've, you've been on the mission field. You have started churches. How important is what I'm saying? Can, can you testify for just two seconds to the church? Just lift your voice. Brother Doster, you pastored. Talk to us. The thing that will keep your home cleaned up, bring a new believer to your home. Bring a new believer to your home that they, their faith, so now what do I do with this? And what he was trying to tell them, those that are weak in the faith, those that are trying to receive them, include them. And if we're not careful... A non-soul winning church, a non-gospel Christian, a non-soul winning Christian, let me tell you something. If you're not out there spreading the gospel, 
then what happens is, is that now we don't know how to change for the sake of someone that just got saved. I had somebody in my truck the other day, and do you know how your phone automatically hooks up to your Bluetooth? That's the truest test of your Christianity. Praise God, mine was on Scripture that day. <laughs> but don't we laugh and joke about that? But you know what that means? There are some days it's not on Scripture. Y'all, we have to start living this way. Because you don't live a godly life because of your position. You live a godly life because there are new believers. They ha you have to receive them. The, the, the truth there, the word is discernment. And the believer's truth. There, there must be a place for new believers to be part of a fellowship that allows them to grow in the development of their discernment of what is essential. Would you look at the wording here? Of what is essential and non-essential for salvation. And what is honoring and not honoring to Christ after salvation. The whole point of Romans is this. Is that when somebody gets saved... And now they're weak in the faith. And what it simply means is, is now that it's developing. Then we are to receive them. Question, if somebody hung out with you, if somebody hung out with your family, what would their attitude about church be? What would their attitude about the world be? And I think there's, there has to be a revival in our spirits that says this, look, I'm to receive people. I'm to say, walk with me. I'm to say, hey, come on, get in here. Hey, sit with me. Sit with my family. Let, let's go. Come on. Because this receiving, I've always admired churches and Christians who had the ability to look at a total stranger and say, you want to go out and get something to eat after church? You don't even know these people. Question, the group of friends you go hang out with, could a new believer step in and catch the same spirit of Christ that they found in church on Sunday? It's bigger than them coming to church. It's, let me receive you. Have we become so cliquish that all of a sudden, why'd you invite them? Why, why did they come? What? Why? There should be this receiving. But I'm afraid the average Christian lives such a subpar spiritual life that we would hurt somebody's development. Do we not all agree that there are some adults you don't put babies with because they don't know how to caretake? How many would agree with that? You know, that's why you don't put teenage guys in, in the nursery. They'll carry them like footballs. They'll, you know, they'll bounce back. It's just the truth. But everybody who's... A, so him that is weak in the faith, him that's still developing, receive him. And it doesn't mean... You, receive you. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. I'm, I'm going to give you a personal tragedy story for me. There was a dear couple that came and sat in the balcony 10 years ago. 10 years ago. In fact, Miss Kelly just saw him just the other day. And, 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 he, and I was imploring this receive ye and... And we got about six weeks into where I was picking them up two or three times a week and 
I was just doing pastor runs and this and that. And he was very, just a, just a new believer. And we were sitting at Starbucks and we were talking and something slipped out of my mouth that should have never come out. And he looked at me and he said this. He says, is there anybody else in the church that could help me grow besides you? And I said, man, I'm sorry. Do you know he's not been back to church since then? And here's why. Because I forgot. I forgot. No matter how long he was in church, his faith is still developing. And I have to receive him. But he cannot grow his faith if his own pastor doesn't step up to the plate. And sometimes we wonder, why did that person distance themselves from me? I'm going to step out on a limb. When a, when, a, when a believer tells me, why don't I have any friends? Could it be that you're not helping their faith? And that they realize, I just want my faith to grow. And our lack of discernment about our sanctification, they realize that's not what I want. That's not what I want. And so people will silently disappear. It's quiet in here. Because I think all of us, to some degree, don't understand. we got to be the real deal. And I cannot tell you as pastor that I've been by his house a dozen times. Say, man, I'm sorry. Would you just come back to church? I will answer to the Lord because the book is very clear about that. But you've got people around you. So look what the next phrase is as we close this. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. So now we find this, this part of somebody's faith that is developing. And so if you will look here, the, the idea is that all of a sudden we try to do the work of the Holy Spirit. What doubtful disputation means is this, is now we're digging into their thinking process and we have gone from them just being hanging around us to now we're telling them, man, your thinking process is all messed up. Like you are really messed up. And the moment somebody starts asking questions, so when you receive somebody who their faith is just getting developed, they are going to say some of the craziest things. But you know what we have to do? We have to simply say, well, let me, let me show you what the Word of God has to say about this. There's a gentleman, and I asked him if I could use this, and, and uh, somebody gave me a cup, and um, Lorraine and Cadence came up to me, and they gave me a cup, and it says, uh, Pastor Gray, EBC of Longview. This is the second cup I've received with, first one with this, but the second saying was on the back. Pastor, warning, anything, a pastor warning, anything you say or do could be used in a sermon. <laughs> I love this cup, second cup. I love that cup. And, and do you know that all of a sudden, when people's faith is being matured and they throw something out, 
then now the Bible says once you've received them, once you've included them, don't start going back at them for their thinking. Because their thinking is based off of a baby. Do you, have you ever met parents who dogged their children for not knowing? And you sat there and said, why don't you teach them? Why, why are you so hard on them? Teach them. They don't know. Take the time to teach them. And there has to be something about us as a church that when somebody comes in and they, and they <laughs> the story I love, oh, is, is I was years ago, I was dealing with this guy that, that um, he uh, got saved. And we were upstairs, and, and he had a, a tattoo on this side, you know, and he had tattoos, and he got excited about the things of God. And, and, um, and, he, and, he, and he said to me, he said, um, man, pastor, this is great. This is great. We're learning the word. We're... <laughs> and he was growing, and he was growing, and he was growing, and, 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 and he had tattoos. And, and we got to the part about the discipleship that it was, don't be ashamed of Christ. Like, 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 like be a billboard for Jesus Christ. New believer in his faith. He showed up the next Sunday. He said, you know that tattoo? That's, that's the day I got born. That's the day I got born again. And it was like, oh, no. Guess what his next lesson was in discipleship? Tattoos. Your body being the temple. Oh. I, I didn't want to see him. Did not want to see him. He came into the auditorium. He's looking for me. He said, you knew that was the next lesson, didn't you? And I said, yeah, I did. He said, how come you didn't tell me? How come you didn't tell me? You let me go out and dishonor the temple of God. Oh, he dishonored. And I did it again. I said, yeah, but that's like a Mars Hill experience. You were ignorant. God winked at that. Now you're okay. Now don't do that again. He goes, but why didn't you tell me? I've been going around all week going, been born, now I'm born again. <laughs> and I was like, better than what some people do. Y'all, listen to this. That there is this, when the thinking comes out, but I truly believe that how many times has somebody's faith been being matured and we receive them as part of our group, listen, and then when somebody says, I, I don't, I don't think the Lord would be honored with that. And I wonder how many people are like, well, what kind of thinking is that? What's the big deal about that? It's not going to send you to hell. Oh, my friend. When somebody is there maturing, and what's happening is, is we are retarding in the Christian life. We're not growing in the Christian life. Because we don't allow people to talk out loud about their faith. Because when they talk out loud about their faith, we try to change their thinking rather than let the Word of God change their thinking. I had a young man here named Eddie back in the 80s. And uh, he had just gotten saved and his life was growing. He had hair down to his shoulders and and uh, he come bouncing in there, 16 years old, come bouncing in there. And, and, um, and he said, how come everybody has short hair around here? 
all the men. And I said, well, he said, should I get my hair cut? Because I don't see anything wrong with it. Jesus had long hair. You've seen them pictures. And I said, well, I didn't know Kodak was back then. Oh, so no, no, why? And I said, well, 1 Corinthians. So I showed him a verse. He said, okay. I still am not going to do it, but okay. Two weeks later, he had a haircut. Why? The Word of God. And what happens is, is that we have to be okay. The kids are getting ready to come in. They're going to sing to us here. and We're, we're right there at that time. So let me give you three things, and the word is thinking there that I want you to write in, not, but not the doubtful disputations. The purpose of allowing them to interact with us is not to change their thinking, but to love them and help them develop their discernment through the Word of God. The same Holy Spirit that brought them to salvation will bring them to seeing clearly what salvation is all about and what sanctification is all about. Probably one of the best phone calls I've ever received, I received this week, and it was a young man on the other end of the phone. I didn't ask him if I could use this. But on the other end of the phone, he said, I want to thank you for not correcting me when I opened my mouth. And here's why. His faith was still developing. And when his faith develops, the same Holy Spirit of God that brought him to the point of his need for salvation is the same Holy Spirit of God that takes the verses and brings him to the point of repentance. So him that is fit, weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to this. Don't, don't get panicked. Just start. Hey, here's what the word says. Three things underneath there, four things. Everyone at Emmanuel is weak. Would you write the word weak on some subject of their faith? Nobody here has developed their faith to this fullest. How many would agree that there are some things about your faith that you're still developing? Would you raise your hand? Yep. Yep. So if everybody takes this attitude, you're not looking for the new believers. Listen to this. It's any believer. Any believer that we interact with. The point number two, the word is evaluation. Everyone at Emmanuel is to accept those who are weak in their evaluation of what essentials and non-essentials, what are essentials and non-essential with their faith. So everybody is to accept those. And somebody says, well, I just don't see it that way. Let me tell you something. God's working on them. Number three, the word is debate. Different thinking should not be a reason to debate, but a reason to love even more. The fourth word is grace. Grace is to be given to everyone for God to work on the maturing of their faith. If we would take this Romans chapter 14 and verse number one, and we would simply understand that everybody is developing and everybody is maturing. And I'll end because we have three minutes and they're ready to sing behind us. And are you ready to play? Okay, so get to the piano. Look at verse 2. And this is what we're going to get into next week. For one believeth that he may eat all things, and another who is weak eateth herbs. So again, him that is weak, the faith is developing. So next week we're going to talk about this person's diet as they're developing. Would you notice how restrictive? Would you look at verse 2, and let me give you something to ponder this week. Look at verse 2. For one believeth that he may eat, how many things, please? But he, but, but, but another who is what? 
weak eateth what? So Christianity, listen to this, Christianity can grow to where we take on this attitude. But it doesn't matter what I do, I'm still going to heaven. But someone who just gets saved, they're like, no, no, I got to become a vegetarian. I got to become a a plant-based Christian. I can't put that into my diet. And there's this segment over here that's going, it doesn't matter. That preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. And we have hurt the spiritual growth. And there is a responsibility. Thank you for being with us during this service. My prayer is always, as I study, that God would use his word to speak to people's hearts. And may you have a good day, a good week. Please know that if we can do anything for you here at Emmanuel, all you have to do is let me know. God bless you, my friend. Have a wonderful day.